Uh, we are studying faith, the subject of faith, and we're going to continue that uh, today. Um, how many believers are here this morning? Amen. Amen. The Bible says that uh, God is effectually at work in the life of the believer. So if you're a believer here this morning, God is at work in you, and he's doing in something inside of you. And if you determine, I'm going to come, and I'm going to be changed by the word of God, and I'm going to receive the word of God, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's really more up to us than it is up to God. Now, you'll have sometimes when the Lord will supernaturally move in your life, and you have like, I don't know, tingly, you feel, your body feels, all this, uh, but that does not happen every day. And that is not a guarantee. But what is a guarantee is the word of God and the fact that in every word of God is contained the very life of God and the very power of God. Really the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in his word. And really when you preach or when you speak over yourself, the gospel message, the same power that was in the gospel in raising Jesus Christ is resident and available to you at that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Well, the power that raised Christ from the dead, it said that's the most that God exerted his power. And even then it said he just like lifted his finger. And so uh, that's the power that is at work in the life of the believer. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And somebody said, I remember... Um, I probably said it before, but somebody told me, that, well, I never, you know, I never, I don't think healing's for today because in our church, you know, I never see anybody get healed. And I said, okay, in your church, do they pray for people to be healed? And they said, well, hmm, no, they don't. And I said, well, then why would you expect to see people get healed? And so um, these signs will follow them that believe. Sometimes we relegate to that, them that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, that's true, but these signs will follow them that believe that Jesus Christ is the deliverer from demonic spirits. They'll cast out devils. These signs will follow them that believe that Jesus Christ is the healer. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs will follow them that believe that you are baptized with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. They'll speak with new tongues. And so... What do you believe? And salvation really contains all of those things. Uh, but the church religion of church, churchanity, if you want to call it that, has really taken salvation and made it when you die, you go to heaven. But you're going to like suffer through life. It's going to be a terrible life. But at least when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And then there's no, no more sickness, no more disease, no more poverty, no more tears. Well, that's true that there's no more of that. But if you or I were to die today and we believed that and went to heaven, we'd be disappointed in heaven for however long you're allowed to be disappointed in heaven. Because it says he will wipe away the tears, you know, so you, you, know, you see things. I think actually the Bible says that when your uh, works are weighed, they're tried by fire, that you can suffer loss in heaven. But then after that, it's, you know, it's gone. So it may be like sticks and uh, stuff that's burnt up. It's gone. So it was just man's works or it could be God's works and you actually get a reward in heaven. 
But the truth is that Jesus died and suffered and paid the penalty for our sins and took away our sicknesses and took away our diseases and removed the curse from us so that we could have abundant life here, now, today, in this life. Uh, you know, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Let's uh, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read uh, most of the chapter. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Remember last week we started talking about Romans chapter 4. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he was promised, he was also able to perform. And so he didn't stagger, but he gave glory to God. So when the challenges came, and the challenge for Abraham was, look how old I am, and there's no evidence that what God said is going to come to pass. So what am I going to do? So Abraham, if he had staggered, he would have said, I guess I must not have understood what God said. I must have misheard. I guess I'm not spiritual enough to hear from God. I guess, I don't know, must have been something Sarah made me for food. It's a bad pizza. But no, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he promised, he was able also to perform. So he probably said something like, you know what, I don't see anything right now, but God told me this is coming to pass. So I have a sure word because God told me this is coming to pass. And actually, of course, God, we know, came into covenant with Abraham. Uh, and, you know, God and Jesus did this covenant ceremony where they walked between the pieces of the fleshly animal that was sacrificed and they walked amongst the blood and they walked in a figure eight, which actually signifies infinity. And when you come into covenant with someone like that, and in this time, Abraham uh, was very aware of the covenant, you actually come and you say, if I ever fulfill to fulfill one word of this covenant, may what happened to those animals happen to me. And it, God did that with Abraham. And he said, I'm coming into covenant with you. And I'm promising you that I will fulfill my promise to you. You are the father of many nations. Because God calls those things which be not as though they were. And those things that do not appear in the natural realm, but actually exist in the spirit realm. And so by faith is how we apprehend those. And we looked a couple weeks ago, really, at Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so when you have something that you are believing God, in other words, you're saying, God, I believe you more than I believe what I see, what I feel, what I hear, what it seems like. I believe you more than that. Faith is the substance of that. Well, somebody said, like Brother Hagin, when he was... Uh, after he was healed of incurable blood disease and paralysis and got up off of the, uh, his deathbed, not too long after that, he um, went to go to sleep and half of his face was paralyzed. And so when he would smile, he kind of, you ever seen somebody with a paralyzed half a face like this? Or if you ever had uh, enough tooth work done and you tried to smile or something, it feels kind of, and you... Most of the time, you feel like you're not smiling, but you are, but just because you can't feel it. Um, but uh, I had a friend growing up that 
part of his face was paralyzed. And he'd smile and only half would go, you know, only half would go. And so um, it, was, it was actually kind of funny. And so he had this experience. And so he went to the church and he had already received healing on, on the deathbed. But he said, I don't know what the pastor preached. I was just waiting for him to get to the end of the service because I knew at the end of the service, uh, I could ask him to pray for me. So as soon as they finished the service, he said, I raised my hand and I said, brother pastor, brother pastor, will you pray for me before we go? And he said, sure. So they prayed for him and the pastor prayed for him. And there was no change in his body that was evident that you could see, that he could feel. In fact, he went to bed. He closed one eye and one eye stayed open because you paralyzed that side of the face. You can't actually close your eye. So then you'd like, he tried to pull it shut and it still opened back up. <laughs> and, you know, you're paralyzed. So you don't realize what, how much you really rely upon your muscles and how much paralysis can debilitate you. And so this went on for about three days. And he had a, a, a friend that was a girl. Her name was Imogene Alexander. And she was a real short lady. And um, so she said, uh, you know, well, I see you didn't get your healing. He said, yes, I did. And she said, no, you didn't, because I can see you didn't get it. He said, no, I got it when the pastor prayed for me. And she said, well, you sure don't look healed. And he said, she's looking up at him. And it, it was kind of funny, because her mom was also short. And her mom started looking and said, no, it doesn't look, Kenneth, like you're healed. And he started laughing, because you know these two little ladies just kind of looking up. And one was a girl his age. And um, so he started laughing and his face went crooked and everything like that. And they said, see, look, you're not healed. He said, no, I'm healed. I was healed uh, Sunday night when pastor laid hands on me. Well, uh, he didn't change his confession because he knew what he was standing on. He wasn't standing on the power of the pastor. He wasn't really even standing on the power of the anointing. He was standing on the power of the word of God that says that believers will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with oil. Pray for the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. So he's standing upon the word of God, really more than like the pastor. So he just said, I know because the word of God says, if that pastor prays for me, I'll receive my healing. And so by Wednesday night, he went to church. Face is completely normal. Everything's fine. And his little girlfriend, which was not his girlfriend, I'm Eugene Alexander, said, well, I see you got your healing. And he said, yes, Sunday night when the pastor laid hands on me. <laughs> well, you sure didn't look healed then. That's what she said. So she's going by sight. So if she was going to have paralysis and be healed of it, when would she know she was healed? Once she could see it, feel it, everything else. So she's probably not going to get it. Because uh, the way that you can always receive from God is by faith. And, um, you know, actually, there's gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healings, and you'll see many people uh, healed by gifts of healings. And there's really no faith required upon the part of the receiver. Uh, and actually, there's a, a couple of well-known ministries that when I was at Rama, one in particular I'm thinking of, that they called up Rama because they're mightily used in working of miracles and gifts of healings. And they said, hey, we want you to teach us about faith because we have lots of people that get healed in our services, but within a month or two, they lose their healing. And so, uh, really, to their credit, they want to make sure that, hey, we want you to keep your healing. And so, um, faith receives from God, and faith will receive and keep things that come from God. So, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight.
Let's pick back up in verse two. This only what I learn of you, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So remember last week we talked about um, really that it's not by the law or the works of the law that we receive anything from God, especially being born again. We're not born again uh, because of being under the law. In other words, uh, to put it in 21st century language, we're not born again because we do a bunch of good stuff and a bunch of right stuff. So I actually spoke with someone this week who I began to, beginning to witness to, and they were talking about you know, how they do all of this good stuff in their community and how that's really, it seems, how they feel like they are right with God. And so they're doing their part and they want God to do his part type of thing. Well, that's wonderful that they're doing good things for their community, but that does not affect their eternal life. And I don't know if you've ever talked to someone um, I've talked to a few people in my lifetime that, uh, you know, you talk to them about being born again and, you know, do you, do you know Jesus? Are you, sometimes if you say, are you a Christian, that's a really bad way to start because I think 75% of Americans would claim to be Christian. So uh, a good way to really say is, do you know Jesus? But then even then, a lot of times they'll kind of take it off. So you have to really investigate and find out, like, do they actually have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says that demons even believe in Jesus, and they believe so much in Jesus that they tremble. Well, that's because they had an experience where they got whooped. <laughs> and uh, Jesus actually paraded them uh, through the streets of heaven naked, one translation says, and made a show of them openly. And that's really not as common nowadays. I mean, I remember, I remember during World War Number Two. See, if you're, if you're alive during World War Number Two, you don't say World War Two. That's people like that were born the way my body looks, you know, at my, this age that my body looks. The young people. But um, my grandparents, everybody said like World War Number Two. You wouldn't say World War Two, you say World War Number Two. So you can find out these guys that are still alive from there, they call it World War Number One. World War number two. That's just a little free piece of, of information. And uh, if you start to listen, people that were actually, there's not too many people alive now that were in World War II, uh, but they'll be like, World War number two. And so, um, boy, that really got me off there. <laughs> so you find that, um, I have no idea where I was, where I was going with that. Uh, but anyhow, that's free advice, World War number two. So if you want to have, if, when I go to talk to people, because I love to talk to people, especially about history, if they say World War number two, I like perk up. So I'm like, oh, they kind of know. <laughs> they know about it. Um, but I was, I was not alive during World War number two. <laughs> um, okay, let's just continue. Uh, this only what I learn of you, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, that you now are made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If so, uh, be in vain. He, therefore, that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so we learn, that's where I was at, actually. So we learn that the works of the law, 21st century lingo, would be by things that you do. Like, am I made right by things that I do? 
Uh, because the works of the law for the Jewish people were, of course, Moses was given the law and the commandments and they had to fulfill all of these things and then they would be counted righteous. Even then they wouldn't be righteous, but they would be counted righteous. And they found out real quickly that no one could fulfill all the works of the law because people would always mess up because in your flesh was the seed of sin because uh, sin passed down from Adam uh, all the way to Moses and then continued from there. And so we find that Paul is actually relating beginning in the spirit with the works of the law, or even here he says, are you made perfect by the flesh? What you can do or what I can do, right? So what you can accomplish or what I can accomplish in any given situation. So if you want to talk about a financial situation and you have a financial need, well, how, how is this going to be fixed? Is this going to be fixed uh, just through what I can do? Or is this going to be fixed through what God can do? Well, the thing about it is, in America, we are really, you are some of the richest people in the world. And when you travel internationally, you can learn that very quickly. Even the, our poorest are richer than most in the world. And you can look up all the statistics and, and see all of that. So in America... Sometimes we'll see less move of God or evidence of God in people's lives because why? Well, if you have a $20 need, maybe you'll just work an extra hour or you'll do this or you'll do that. You won't even think like, let's seek first the kingdom of God. I'll just, I can take care of that, right? And so, and then many times we're taught to be independent and take care of yourself and do all of that. And um, that's not necessarily bad to work hard and work as unto the Lord, but we don't ever want to be as a believer independent of the Lord Jesus Christ because his blessing on really the ability that he's already given you will far exceed anything that you could do apart from him. And it'll affect you and it really will affect your heart when you put him first. Like I know I've had some good things happen in my life but I've had some good things happen in my life that I was very disappointed at. And that was because I knew I chose to trust Tim more than I trusted God. Like, well, I'll just fix the situation. Here, I'll just do it. I'll just take care of it myself. So I'm not relying upon the Lord. And obviously it's not something super big because you know what people, you know what people say when something really big happens? Well, I guess we better pray. It's come, it's come to this, we gotta pray now because I can't do this myself. And so, um, but you know, I've had situations where I'm believing God for something and the Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing because in due season you will reap. Well, sometimes we wanna have our like Big Mac now. So we go into McDonald's and we order a Big Mac and I apologize if you work for McDonald's or you have stock in McDonald's because about an hour after you chose to eat real fast, you don't feel so good about it <laughs> many times. And you feel like, why did I do that? Well, it's because you wanted it right then. And so sometimes we're trusting God and saying, okay, Lord, this is what I'm, I'm trusting you for. This is what I'm believing you for. And um, then we want to get involved and say, like, Lord, you're, you're just taking a little too long. You really maybe don't know exactly what's going on in my life and that this needs to be taken care of this way right now. And um, the times when I've done that, I've been like, oh, you know, you got it and you, you got what you wanted, but you're kind of like, huh. Why? Because God gets no glory in that. And you're kind of like, oh, 
you know? So I don't want to go through life and see if I can get what I can do. I want to see what God can do. And the way I do that is to live by faith. Because Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so if we don't come by faith, then we're just going to really get whatever we can get or whatever will be, will be. Whatever kind of the, the system happens and how things go. And, but when we come by faith, we're trusting God and we're believing God and we receive from him. So really, Paul's talking to the Galatians. We referred to this for a few weeks, so that's why I wanted to get in. Jesus Christ by faith. How are you so soon like removed from this? What's going on? Well, somebody really had gotten to them and tried to explain to them like, you don't have to do it that way. Verse four, have you suffered so many things in vain uh, if it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So Abraham was before the law, actually like 400 years before the law. And so he had the promise before that and he's the father of faith. And then the law came and people started to live by the law. And Jesus came and said, hey, you know, have faith in God. And uh, people are like, oh, uh, I don't know exactly what that means. I know that tree withered, but I go to church every Sunday. Well, they wouldn't say that. they say, I go to synagogue every Saturday. <laughs> but I go to the temple, and I do this, and I do that, and everything. And that's, remember what the rich young ruler said to Jesus. When he said to Jesus, he said, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? You know, and he said, I have done this and this and this and this and kept everything, all the law, all the way from my youth. And Jesus said, well, okay, well, you have one more thing is required. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. But as we talked about in the offering message, the money had him, not him having the money. And he couldn't do it, so he went away sad because that had such a hold on him. And he had such a hold on it. Um, that he couldn't receive from God. So he couldn't actually activate his faith enough to say, okay, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, and what you're saying more than this money that I have, this security that I have. So I have all this security. I got everything taken care of. I don't have any really worldly issues. And I've done all that. And I've even kept every bit of the law. Like I do this, and 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 I do this. So you're going to let me in, right? He said, well, you just lack one thing. Get your trust away from riches. And he said, I, Jesus said he went away sad because he trusted in riches. So he couldn't. He couldn't release that. I mean, literally he could have chose to, but he wouldn't. He said, no, I'm going to hold on to this. And, you know, um, There is a, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. It doesn't really matter, I guess, but um, there was a lady in uh, one of the churches that Brother Hagin pastored. He pastored for 13 years, uh, about three or four different churches. And one of the churches um, that he pastored, this lady was uh, paralyzed in a wheelchair, couldn't get out of the wheelchair. 
And uh, her son and husband would bring her to church all the time. Anytime a flu or a cold would come around, she'd come. They'd pray for her. He said she could have like snot dripping out of her nose. And he would pray for her and it would immediately just leave and be gone and she'd be fine. Boom, boom, boom. Well, one day they're in a, his, his prayer group and they went over to this lady's house to pray for her. And because when they were praying together, he'd actually seen uh, them lay hands on her and her rise up. And, or actually her, just saw himself speak and said, arise and walk. And so they went over, make a long story short, prayed the power of God down. And they prayed the power of God down in such a fashion that she was lifted out of the wheelchair and stood about a foot or two above the wheelchair and in front of the wheelchair in midair because of the power of their prayers. And she got up there and she looked back and got this scared look on her face and reached back and grabbed the chair and pulled it up to her rear. <laughs> and Brother Higgins said, well, you don't have an ounce of faith, do you? And she said, no, Brother Higgins, I don't mind telling you, I'll go to my grave in this chair. Well, when he said you don't have an ounce of faith, he didn't mean like in any area. You know, we talked about before, you can have faith in one area and not another. Well, she would always get healed of colds and flus and everything. She had faith in that area. But I don't know because I'm not God and I'm not her. I, I assume she was so long in that wheelchair, she got so used to it it just became like her security and she was so familiar with it and she just wouldn't release it. She was an older lady and of course, you know, we've been using Mark 11, 23 and 24 for this whole series. Who shall ever shall say to this mountain, be removed and uh, be cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And she got what she said. She went to her grave in that chair. And uh, one person came, uh, actually somebody came up to Pastor Mark and somebody also came up to Brother Hagen separate times, separate, separate, no, not centuries, but separate uh, decades and said, you know, that stuff you're preaching about Mark 11, 23 and 24, that doesn't work. I said, oh, it doesn't work? No, it doesn't work. I tried it, it doesn't work. And uh, he said, well, I think it does work. No, it doesn't work. I'm telling you it doesn't work. Well, it says that you'll have whatever you say, and you say it doesn't work, and it doesn't work for you. And at least the guy talking to Brother Hagin was honest. He said, you know what? You're exactly right. I see. He said, I see what I have to do. I have to turn that record over and play the other side. <laughs> so he turned it over and played the other side, and whoa, it worked. You'll have whatever you say. And so um, you're snared with the words of your mouth. You're taking calf road with that. Or just say something um, mean to somebody or unkind. And you realize like, ooh, that just snared me. <laughs> like now, like now I got to like talk to them or I got to like deal with that and then like everything was going just fine <laughs> my day was going just fine and then I had to just go and say that and that's why James said um, if someone's able to bridle their tongue they are a perfect man <laughs> he's saying all of us have to deal with the tongue the power of the tongue and uh, sometimes you're dealing with other people when you, you say to other people sometimes you're just dealing with what you said about yourself like 
man, I can't do this job. This job is too tough. I don't understand this. And look at the world that I'm creating, right? Look at the world that I'm creating. But Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Verse seven, know you therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in you will all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continues in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. So uh, I'll pause again just for a second, but the just shall live by faith. So you could say the just will be alive by faith. The just will experience true life or life the way God intended by faith. Uh, The just uh, will have life by faith. I remember T.L. Osborne said one time, he probably said a lot of times, but I heard him say it one time, that uh, so many people are dead while they live. They're alive, but they're not experiencing life. They're just dead while they live. And really, life without the life of Jesus Christ is death. That's no kind of life. That's no way to live. There's no satisfaction in that. There's flesh gratification in that, but there's no life satisfaction. And I'll tell you what, when you have life satisfaction because of the one that lives inside of you, the greater one that lives inside of you, it affects every part of your being. And there is nothing like living for Jesus and choosing to walk in love and choosing to walk by faith and choosing not to succumb to what all the world says should be and has to be and always is and always will be, but to say, no, wherefore serves, like Paul said in the shipwreck, I believe God, it will be even as he told me. I believe God. In other words, he told me this, I'm believing him. I'm believing him more than this circumstance. And Paul said he actually told everybody else. Hey, you all are worried. You're all stressed out. Be of good cheer. Like, wipe that frown off your face. I believe God. And one man's faith, believing God, actually affected all the rest of them. Because they lost the ship, but they all lived. And then he was bitten because he, he must have missed God because then he got in a shipwreck and then he got bit by a snake and was almost going to die. So he must not have been in the will of God. He must have done something wrong. It must have been something in his past or he didn't talk to that person or witness to the person like he was supposed to. So the wrath of God came down upon him, destroyed the ship. God tried to kill him with that, but he couldn't do it. And then God tried to kill him with a snake, but he couldn't do it. Well, that's a puny God. Seemed like the devil's trying to attack someone that's doing something for God. And the devil cannot kill you because if the devil could kill you, he would have already killed you. Because the devil has no interest in you living because you have the life of God. And if you or I ever realize what is resident within us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us, that makes alive our mortal bodies, that we are the ones that are to turn the world upside down. But the devil has no place in us except what we give him. And one of the biggest ways that the devil gets a place in us is he gets us into a place of works. To say like, this is what, uh, look, you can't do that. That's impossible. You can't do that. You haven't been able to do that. Let me, let me see what you can do. 
like Adam and Eve, right, in the garden. God said, look, you're going to tend the garden. You're going to name all the animals. I give you dominion over all the work of my hands, everything. Uh, but there's one thing. Don't eat that tree, of that tree. Not the tree, but, you know, the fruit on the tree. Don't eat of the tree. And the devil came and said, what did he do? He started to question what God said right away. Did God really say that? So first he's getting them to question, did you hear from God? Did God really tell you, Paul, to go there? Did God really tell you, Paul, you know, the, the, this was going to happen? Why would God say that if you were in the will of God? Everything would just go hunky-dory. Everything would be perfect. Why would, you, why would you think that? So then after that, the devil doesn't stop there. He wants to twist some more because he just like twists. He's not creative. He just twists and takes and he's really kind of foolish. Um, and so he said, God knows the second that you eat that, you're going to be like him. And he doesn't want that. So, I mean, this is not a sermon on the devil, but you could look at the motives of the enemy, that his motives are to discredit God and to say, well, God, God's not a good God. He's trying to hold things back from you that really you deserve, that really you should have. And then he's trying to say, and on top of that, you'll be just like God. And that's how the devil works when he was working through people, like stuff that they're struggling with, that they're going through, they're trying to put off on you. They're trying to get you to do the same thing. Because what, the, what was the devil's big thing? He thought he was like bigger than God, that he was going to take over everything. So he's trying to get Adam and Eve to do the same thing. And he's saying, don't have faith in God. Trust what you can do. Because you can be just like God. Because you can do all of this. And, um, you know, of course, the pride of life and everything else uh, that goes there. Verse 11, but no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. So the promise of the Spirit, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come and comfort us. And I don't like the word comfort. I've decided I don't like the word comfort because that does not mean comfort. That does not mean like get in your little comforter and you'll be all comfortable. That does not mean like send the pastor to your dying relative so that the pastor will comfort them and say, oh, it won't be long and you'll be gone. You know, you can handle this pain. Comfort actually of the Holy Spirit, the word from the Greek, actually means that it gives you confidence and boldness and buoys you up and makes you able to meet any task and not just to meet it, but to overcome it. And so that's why I don't like the word comfort. Because to me, that's not 21st century comfort. Comfort is like, oh, I got a comfortable couch or a comfortable car or, you know, everything. I don't have to do anything now because I got so much money, things are comfortable or whatever you want to say. That's not that comfort. That comfort is he invigorates us with the life of God, the ability of God, the words of God, so we can stand in the place of Jesus Christ and do everything that he would do were he there at that moment in your life or the life of someone else. And then let's skip on to verse 29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So if you've come to God by Jesus Christ, 
You've accepted Jesus Christ. You've come by faith, just the same way as Abraham. You're actually the seed, the heirs of Abraham. And you're no longer under the curse, but you're under the blessing. And the curse is poverty, sickness, spiritual death. We're no longer under the curse. We're under the blessing. And we are the seed of Abraham. And Abraham's blessing is ours. And so we experience the life of God, the nature of God, the blessing of God, because we have faith in God. Stand with me if you would. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity we've had to spend time in your word. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. Father, we thank you that every word from you penetrates our heart, makes changes in us that we don't even realize in our consciousness. Father, I thank you for the power of your spirit within us, that he lives within us, that he speaks to us, that we are your children, and we don't follow strange voices, but we follow your spirit, the witness of your spirit on the inside. As many as are led by your spirit are your sons and your daughters, Father. So, Father, we come to you as your children, and Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for the power of his name, for the power of his blood. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that's here and that's listening. Father, that you would give us wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation, knowing him and the things that he has done in us and the things that he's done for us and the calling that you have placed upon our life and the great inheritance that you've given to us, Father, that we walk out and we stand firm and we stand bold, not in our ability or in our power, but in the ability and the power that you have placed within us by your spirit, the ability of your spirit, Father, your ability within us, your ability upon us. Father, we pray as we go this week, Father, that you will put words in our mouth that'll drive back the forces of darkness in the lives of those that we encounter. Father, that you'll give us words to speak, that you'll give us opportunities to minister to those that are lost, that don't know the truth. Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you that Jesus is alive today, that Jesus is doing the same thing today that he's been doing, that he's bringing life, that he's bringing help, that he's recreating us, that he's filling with his spirit. Father, we thank you for the power of Jesus Christ evident in our lives, evident in our families, evident in our love walk. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.